0: Everyone, this is Dr. Alex Avila with Love University, and we're back. I'm an author, psychologist, and speaker. Every week we talk about how to love ourselves others and higher nature. How to improve our finances, career, health, relationships, and spirituality. And today we have a very special invincible you edition that we call Más, which in Spanish uh, refers to more. More love, more joy, more prosperity. And to help us with that, I have a special guest today, Melissa Paragan, who is a, a young lady who was born in Colombia. Uh, Came to the U.S. after a terrible tragedy, which we'll talk about, and she transformed her life into a powerful uh, position of love and and success and uh, lives in Miami, Florida. Starting from the garden up, she is now the vice president of sales at Desert Platinum Realty uh, and is one of the top real estate producers in the state of Florida. Uh, She works with high net worth individuals, uh, including celebrities, billionaires, and professional athletes, generating over $200 million in real estate sales. And she has a million uh, people who follow her on um, Instagram. Uh, She's also a former beauty contest uh, contestant, Miss Universe pageant, and involved in businesswoman empowerment. And her dog also had five puppies, if that's correct. (laughs) Four puppies. (laughs) Oh, four puppies. Okay, well, it's not bad. So you're doing. And welcome to the show, Melissa.
1: Thank you, guys. Thank you so much for having me. Such a pleasure to be here. You've been so inspirational to me with your concept of love and the three secrets of happiness. And then, Invisible You book, it really inspired me. And thank, well, thank you. you. I
0: really appreciate that. And we have an interesting story of how we met. I was actually in Miami um, visiting my family uh, with my son uh, during my birthday time, and we were at the uh, NBA Finals, uh, Miami Heat and Denver Nuggets. Uh, and the game after the game, they lost. The Miami Heat lost, and we were waiting for our cars in the parking lot, and then we started talking. And you started telling me about a story, a story of tragedy uh, from your home, but also of uh, deliverance and um, transformation. So I want to start a little bit with that. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your background coming from Colombia? Uh, something about your father and and what happened to you?
1: Sure. So basically I was born in Cali, Columbia. Um, I was the first child. This was in 1990. Um, my mom was pretty young. She was about 20 years old when she had me. And uh, when I was two years old, my parents got divorced. I did have a brother 11 months later. Sorry, that's my dog. <laughs> um And when my parents got divorced, I was still really young. When I was eight years old, my family moved. There was a war going on in Cali, the drug war with Pablo Escobar and the Cali Mm. cartel. Things got pretty crazy over there. So we moved to Panama for a year and then we moved to South Florida. And that was kind of when everything changed. My dad stayed in Colombia. My dad was involved in politics. Uh, My grandfather was a senator for 12 years of Cali. And so, I kind of grew up around the political campaigns. And my dad was a very hard worker. He had you know, a full-time job. He was the CEO of a public transportation company that managed over three hundred buses. He was a CEO of that at nighttime. He would go to university and then he was also a politician. Mm. So he was always very, very busy and he was really hardworking, very ambitious, very humble, very generous, very nice to people. Mm-hmm. Okay so, he so he you were
0: you were in Miami. And he was there in Colombia still. How old were you when you were here? Let's say. So
1: I moved to Boca when I was Boca Raton, Florida, when I was eight years old. And okay. when I was twelve years old, uh, he got kidnapped in Colombia ah. by terrorist group FARC. Wow. Uh, okay. The Revolutionary Forces of yes. Armed Colombia. Okay. So he got kidnapped. It was a political kidnapping. There was twelve mm. politicians. It happened to be his birthday that day. Mm-hmm. They took them in a bus and they said there was a bomb. They were dressed as police. Uh, It turns out it was a kidnapping. So once they got on the bus, they told them they were being kidnapped and they wanted to do a human exchange with the government. And those negotiations went on for five years. It got really complicated. And in 2007, on June 18th, Father's Day, uh, my father and 10 of his colleagues were murdered. It was a massacre. He was shot eight times with an AK-47 on his back. Uh, his partners also you know died that day and it was pretty brutal um uh, massacre and one of the guys survived so after the fact of course i met with him me and my brother met with him to figure out why he was the only one that got out yes. turns out later on that he was actually involved uh, in drug business with the with the terrorists and mm. he actually planned mm. this whole kidnapping so that's the reason why they let him live and the others unfortunately passed That's away. A terrible so, tragedy.
0: Now, now tell me, so how old were you when this happened? When you learned about well, it? I
1: was twelve years old and years uh when old. I got kidnapped and I was seventeen when they killed him. So it had a huge Holy. impact on my life and ah. my
0: adolescence growing up. I see. So were you in here or in Columbia when during the five year period, twelve to seventeen? No, I
1: was here. I was in Boca Raton, Florida. I'm in okay. Miami now. Um, I've been in Miami for over ten right. years. I did grow so How up. did it
0: impact you? I mean, we have a lot of people on the show that have been, you know, a lot of trauma. kind of, uh, you know, terrible circumstances, Um, as a daughter, I know there's a connection with your father. What was your feeling at the time and even today?
1: I think the feeling was of shock. I get reminded of it now when I see all this terrorism going on with Israel Mm. And I see these families and these kids and, and and it takes me back to like that moment of how mm. I felt when this all happened and seeing everything on the news. And it was just so surreal. Like, you can't believe mm. it's you. Like, you can't believe this is happening. Is this a movie? Mm. Is this a joke?
0: Mm.
1: You know, the first uh, instinctual mm. reaction is almost denial. You're like, no, this can't mm. be happening. Mm. Not to him, you know? And then there was a lot of, even my mom wasn't sure at first because things got confusing. But, yeah, it was confirmed. And, you Mm. know, the survival videos we were getting on the holidays were terrible. You would see them Mm. deteriorate. They had them in terrible conditions. Mm. You know, like I said, when I see the hostages right now that they've taken in Israel, I I really feel for them. Because all I feel is, why can't we have world peace? Why all this violence? You know, we don't need to pick a side. These terrorists are just... Right. It's just—it's not good for anybody. But it really brings back a lot of those feelings mm-hmm. of uncertainty, not knowing. Again, he was still alive, so then you also have this fear of ah. every day: did he die yet? Did they kill him? Is he mm-hmm. sick? What's going on? Yes. What's happening? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's a very uncertain and nerve-wracking mm-hmm. situation to be in. Yeah,
0: yeah because with uh, PTSD or trauma, we know that there are what we call triggers that you know like what we call flashbacks. So, like Mm -hmm. you said, maybe watching the news, you know, today can, you know, bring you back to those times, you know, the emotional uh, pain and devastation or the depression. I really can't
1: watch the news and and I have PTSD problems. You know, I have a really successful career and I'm very grateful to God for that. My faith has always been something that I really relied on because whenever I felt alone, you know, the abandonment issues of being taken from him, him being taken from the family, um i still struggle with those things sometimes but i think it really what makes me feel better is that i feel like god is with me and mm. there's other people that you know love me and are, i have to live up to their you know expectations of me yes. so it's a very difficult thing to go through to be a victim of war or mm. to be a victim of terrorism
0: yes.
1: it's very difficult because you just feel like why are people so bad you know why would somebody do this i would never hurt somebody why would somebody do this you know exactly it's, we,
0: you know, uh, Melissa, you may have heard of the stages of grieving. Oliver Ross did this study uh, years ago where there's initially, there's the denial, you know, like you said, shock. Mm-hmm. And then there's anger. And then there's sadness. Uh, also bargaining, too. Like, you know, let's figure this out. You know, I guess maybe in your case, can we save them? And then, and then finally, acceptance. And that's, you know, the last stage. And people go through different parts of it. So tell me about you. So you had the denial and the shock. Did you have anger at some point? Was there sadness? I, did have
1: anger. I was So I was a senior in high school and mm. I was dating this guy at the time. And it's so weird because this guy ended up in my neighborhood and one of his friends were in my class and he was like a total troublemaker and he and I was like the number one person in the mm. psychology class. And he was really a troublemaker. We started kind of like being friends. His best friend was dating my friend and we all four would hang out. Mm-hmm. turns out, um, actually his parents paid to have him kidnapped one night. And I couldn't believe this because my dad was kidnapped. And now oh. here's like, this guy that I'm dating, that I'm best friends with. And he lives in my neighborhood and we're hanging right. out after school. And his brother okay. calls me, Melissa, did you hear? He's kidnapped. They put right. him in a wilderness program. Oh. So they took him in the oh. middle of the night and put took him to Atlanta to okay. uh, the wild okay. to survive.
0: Very strange, actually. So did, that, then, big, uh, did that trigger anger about your dad as well? Was there a connection in this?
1: Um, I think I got, cause I had just lost my father. And then when all this happened, that? it was kind of like, you're just adding onto it. Mm-hmm. Uh, my friend, me and my friend started kind of getting in a fight at that time. Mm-hmm. And I remember one time I got in trouble at school um, because we ran into each other one night at a gas station and she started kind of fighting with me. And I, I felt really angry, you know, I, I really was angry mm-hmm. and I didn't know that I had like that much anger in me until that kind of like happened. Like me and her kind of started fighting and then I just I was so angry with everything going on. And it kind of felt like my heart hardened, you know, like imagine your heart being mm. like the soft little jello and it just yes. turned into a rock.
0: And I just felt okay. like,
1: wow, felt so cold, you Thank
0: know? You. Cause you struck me as a feeler. I, I think you took the love type quiz from the book love types. So you're, do you go by your heart or your head and making choices? Would you say?
1: I go by my heart. Yeah. Okay. We talked about the performer or the gentle artist. They think. yes,
0: The gentle artist, personality type, one of the sixteen. So the feeler uh, does take things very emotionally, you know, and that's part of their life, but they're also on the good side is they can feel deeply, they can love deeply, and they can connect with people. So, But the challenge is not letting the negative influences enter your inner, inner core, uh, keeping that outside. And uh, the other thing is about, you know, sadness, right? Sadness, and depression. I think you mentioned to me, you're at a low state at one time, and uh, you weren't, you know, wanting to stay in this earth. Tell us about that. Yeah.
1: So I went through um, a stage about when I was like 16. At, be- at first, I was like 12, 13. I was still doing really good in school. I wanted to make my dad proud. Then I got to 16, and I'm like, wait a minute. He might not be coming back. Like, this is not looking really good. So I went into like this depressive gothic stage where I was like painting mm. my name black, and wow. I was writing poetry, and I was mm. listening to depressing songs like Evanescence and like... Mm. Ever Levine song when you know something about when when her grandmother passed, like I listened to that song and mm-hmm. I almost wanted to like harm myself because I had so mm-hmm. much pain. And I it looked like on the outside I was living this great life, right? Mm-hmm. Um, my sure. stepdad became very successful, and you know, we were we were in a beautiful house, and my mom would always buy me these great outfits, and she was mm-hmm. like, Why are you always so sad? Why are you always so depressed? Look at the life that we have. And for me, it was so hard because it was like she had moved on, she was remarried with my stepdad, she had a new family, she wanted me to call him dad. And it was really hard to be happy, even when you have everything and materialistic things, right? But you have in your mind, you have Mm. this really conflicting situation. It's really hard to manage. So I tried to escape it for a while. I had some substance abuse problems. I would, you know, over drink or you know, experimenting with different things. And then I had this like epiphany come up. Well, I I actually uh, at one point considered a suicide. Mm. I had one point where I had been hurting myself. Just to kind of feel like hurt, just because like nobody Mm -hmm. could see my hurt, nobody could feel it. It was only me. And sometimes I would like cut myself just to see myself bleed. Like, you know, why is this happening? I just needed to like hide my pain, and it was really unhealthy. And I think when I got through that point, I kind of realized I hit rock bottom. I had an epiphany, and I know this sounds crazy, but I felt like an angel came over me. I was on the bathroom crying, and I felt Mm -hmm. like an angel came over me and said. Because I was like, God, can you just take my life? Like, I don't know what my purpose is. I don't know why I'm here. This world is so brutal and and unfair, and I just don't understand what I'm doing here. And I don't know what to do. I want him to have his life back. He had a whole life. He had a new kid, you know, with his new partner. He had a job. He was an important person. And I just felt like, who am I? Why am I here? And why did you know? Can we just trade lives? Take my life, give him back his life? You know, like I was thinking all kinds of things, and. At one point, um, you know, things got really bad and my mom found out that things were this bad and she was kind of angry with me because she was like, you know, you should be appreciative of all this and you should not be so sad and depressed all the time. But I was really close to my dad. And when you love somebody, it's very hard, you know, um, because I could feel this connection with him and I felt his devastation. And I felt the sadness and mm-hmm. I would go to sleep and I would be looking for him. In the jungle, Mm. people will be burying him alive and I'll be Mm. screaming and trying to save him and Mm. like going through all this in my head. Right. But it was just um, a very dark place. That was when I was about 16. Mm. I was about 17. I started, I started, I went from a 3.8 GPA to a 1.8 GPA, mm-hmm. my 10th grade year. And mm-hmm. all my teachers were like, Melissa, what's going on? Because mm-hmm. you're such an smart girl. Mm-hmm. We like you so much. And we've just seen this change in you. Like what's going mm-hmm. on with you. And, you know, I, I had, you know, people knew uh, what was going on. I had told, talked talk to some people about it at my school. Nobody could understand. Everybody thought I was like, you know, that's a movie. What are you talking about? You know, Boca, it's like very unheard of to have mm-hmm. this situation. So it was, um, yeah, it was a really dark time depression. I, at one point I even got misdiagnosed, you mm. know, uh, where people put me on medication that w- wasn't supposed to be on. And that also affected me physically. I went to Columbia to do a cleanse and, and it was just the, 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 tra- the trauma and, and the loss of it all. Mm. Um, I found again, in spirituality, I was able to kind of find my healing and I kind of came to this epiphany of, okay, I'm either going to destroy myself. Where I'm going to find myself. So it was all about self-discovery or self-destruction at that hmm. point. I felt like I had to make a choice, and at that point, I said, "I'm going to use all this pain and this whole situation to be a better person and to help other people. And I'm going to use this. Um, you know, I need to be a better person for him, and I need to be a better person in general. And maybe there's hmm. something that I can teach people." And that's when I got involved in the pageants. And I got involved with kids that were autistic. Mm -hmm. And it was like a sports program at Parkland for kids that I would go to. I remember there was a four-year-old autistic boy that proposed to me one day and he Mm -hmm. wouldn't talk to anybody. So his parents were like, oh my God, he likes you. This is so cool. He's talking. And you know, it was really nice. It was very rewarding for me to see these families because it's very hard for them to, you know, what they go through. And I just started realizing there's so many people that go through so many things in life. There's orphans and yeah, the you know, the kids, the kids with substance abuse, it was sad too, because, you know, they felt like they were going through their own things at home and they were using these drugs to cope and, and as coping mechanisms. And I'm like, you don't need any of that. Look what I went through and look where I'm now and look what I've done yeah. with my life and my healing. And um it was really nice to be, in you know, an inspiration to them as well and a
0: role model. Well, because what you're talking about, Melissa, um, in the spiritual text, they call it the dark night of the soul. You know, a lot of the great uh, spiritual teachers or people have gone through these experiences. Uh, uh, you have to go to a depth, right? The depth of despair. Life is meaningless. And then, you know, they have some light that shines, right? Whether it's higher nature, God, spirit, or nature, something pulls them out because they relinquish the the so called ego, the control, and they let that power go, come through them, that higher nature. And then they find their meaning. And it sounds like you said helping the autistic kids and Uh, Also, uh, for your dad, you know, I guess uh, be an example for him and and also for others in the future has kind of helped you uh, find a meaning. And one of the keys to uh, uh, post-traumatic stress growth, what we call growth after PTSD, is to find meaning in the experience. And it sounds like you have done that or are doing that. Uh, And one of the things I find very interesting is when we had this conversation, you said the word morir in Spanish means die, but then you did something with it. Uh, you changed it, and now you have on your Instagram, L-I-V, live, underscore, M-O-R, more. Tell me about that. How did that come about, that little that phrase?
1: So that little phrase came about, I was having kind of like a, a, a moment of depression, and I was like, God, I want you to talk to me. I want you to give me a sign. I feel sad. I feel lost. What is my purpose? So I lay down, and I put a notebook next to me, and I said, whatever I think about when I'm dreaming, I'm going to write it down. So I laid down and I had this vision. Um, I was watching TV right before this happened and million dollar listing was on. Mm. And I was watching these girls show the house and I was like, wow, that's so cool. And then they showed something. It was, I think it was E entertainment, right? And they were talking about million dollar listing. And then they pivoted over to this new nightclub that was opening called live in Miami mm. with men and celebrities and this and that. So I kind of saw this before I went to sleep. And then when I went to sleep, I saw this vision of this word LIV, like like mm. you see it, and then M O R. So I saw live more in my dream, and then I woke up, and then it kind of just hit me like, "Wow!" I just asked God for my purpose, and I had this dream, and it said, "Live more." Ah. So I was, and I started mm-hmm. thinking again because I would always think about life and death a lot, you know, because right. of my
0: dad. By the way, uh, for our Spanish-speaking uh, people out there, um tell us too in Spanish uh, if you can that experience that you had with the live more.
1: Ah, ok. Yo estaba viendo televisión y eh, había como... Creo que era el canal E! Entertainment. Y habían... Estaba mostrando algo de Million Dollar Listing con unas muchachas mostrando unas casas muy lindas. Y después estaba mostrando que había... Uh, iba a haber una inauguración de una discoteca Miami Live. Y yo me fui a dormir. Le pregunté a Dios, ¿cuál es mi propósito? Por favor, ayúdame. Necesito una señal. Me siento perdida. Estoy muy triste. ¿Qué hago con mi vida? ¿Para qué me pusiste aquí? Necesito que me guíes un poquito. Y entonces me acosté y puse un cuaderno a mi lado con un lapicero. Y le dije, Dios, háblame, muéstrame algo. Eh, estoy muy perdida, estoy muy triste. Necesito de tu ayuda. Y cuando me dormí, yo vi eso en mi sueño: las palabras live more. Y cuando me levanté, caí en cuenta vi-
0: vi- vivir más. Eso,
1: ¿no? Ajá, es vivir más. Mm-hmm. Entonces es mm-hmm. so like live more: is like live, like life, and then death more so but it also means live more like we are going to die right we all going to die so why don't we live more Mm. and this contrast of life and death this yin yang this idea of the yin yang Ah. Mm. the dark and light it really kind of hit me and and that was what really what was able to make me whole like i went through all this darkness Mm. and then i out of that like a butterfly Mm. i came out and had all this amazing light and blessing
0: amazing Now you started, um, from the bottom up, you worked as a waitress at one time, I think you said, or some other things like that. Uh, What did you do before real estate?
1: So I did a lot of things. Uh, first I worked for a rewards company for my stepdad, uh, destination rewards. I worked there for five years when I was 17 years old. Mm -hmm. Then I wanted to move to Miami. My parents, you know, said Mm -hmm. if I got a job, they would help me. So I started working for a magazine, selling advertising and that was, um, you know, that was a good experience for me. I would sold the most amount of ads. I sold the front cover, back cover. Okay. I wrote my own articles for all my clients. It was a really cool experience. Uh-huh. And then I went, I was actually doing that, trying to sell something for the magazine, and I walked okay. into a so, cell
0: So you were never a waitress, you're saying? You never did that kind of stuff?
1: Yeah, family? I did do a waitress. I worked at a cell phone job first, and then oh, okay. I went a waitress okay. job. Okay,
0: because a lot of people, you know, they succeed, you know, they started these, you know. Well, I was a waitress. I was
1: actually a host. I was a host. A host. Okay, a host.
0: okay. hostess. So that you're works. very personable, maybe the personality and the sales maybe kicked in. You thought, you know, you saw yourself uh, with talent and then now apparently, you know, you're selling very big multi million dollar homes. I think you mentioned you were on the housewives of, was it Miami or something with uh, Larsa Pippen? You helped her buy a home, I believe. And oh, uh, sure. so you have a lot of celebrity <laughs> clients. So I'm thinking. And I homes-
1: have a million dollar listing, no, Million Dollar Listing LA. I was on that show as oh,
0: well. Okay. You're on that show. So, I mean, I'm thinking about these multi million dollar homes. Is that hard to sell? Is it easy? Uh, I mean, what's the process? How do you sell someone these kind of homes, psychologically?
1: So, you know, for me, it's a beautiful thing because since I came from like kind of like a broken home, I would say when I was younger, the idea of home and family was always Mm -hmm. such a beautiful thing to me. So, for me, I get to work with beautiful families. I get to sell them their dream home. Mm. It's like seeing seeing them happy is almost like a dream come true for mm. me. It's very fulfilling. It's almost like it heals that part of me that had the broken family when I see these yes. families kind of come together and right. get this new home and move in. And then right. I see my clients get pregnant and have their babies, mm-hmm. and I mm-hmm. see their babies grow up. And it's just a right. really
0: beautiful right. process. But what's the secret? Because some people are hearing this to say, well, how do you sell a multi million dollar home? That seems like it's very high level. Is there something that makes you a great saleswoman or salesperson? Is there um, an ingredient you think that you have to do this? Because you apparently, you work with Armani and Porsche Design, all these beautiful buildings, Uh, the Bentley Building, I think you are working on too. So How do you get to that point? What is your secret if you can tell, let's say some aspiring salesperson. They're selling uh, used cars right now. So how do you get them to sell multi-million dollar properties?
1: So I think you have to just work your way, right? Because I started from nothing. You know, I had a job at my stepdad's company. I went around looking for jobs. I struggled for years. It took me years to get my real estate license even after I knew that's what I wanted to do. So I did struggle a lot through that. Um you know, I was a receptionist in a sales gallery and I knew that's what I wanted to do. So I would say always put yourself in the environment that you want to be in. Surround yourself with things that you love. I loved The idea of selling the Porsche building so much, and Mm -hmm. I didn't care if I had to sweep the floor (laughs) or get people coffee or be whatever anything. Even if I had to be like you know whatever I had to be just to get a starting point position. Mm -hmm. I mean, Mm -hmm. I was like making three hundred dollars a week. It wasn't even enough to get my nails done. I was walking Mm -hmm. to work. I had no car. I I had a lease that I ended up over mileage, so I had a debt I had to pay. So I was Mm -hmm. you know it it was really hard. You know, it was Mm -hmm. it was really hard for many years. And I think when people say, oh, it's such easy to get this quick success, Mm. you know, it's it's not true. You really have to put in the the time and the work. And I think I did that. And I think you have to really put love into everything that you do. I think Mm. it's so important. Be passionate about it. Be yourself. And be really authentic and honest with people. Also, loyalty is a big Mm -hmm. thing. You know, loyalty is big with me, with Mm -hmm. people that I deal with in my personal life. But I think it's also important in business too, right? Like I have been with the same company for nine years. Mm -hmm. I started as a receptionist making maybe twelve dollars an hour. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So I started, but I started somewhere and I was able to prove myself and grow. And Mm -hmm. it took time and it took a lot of hard work and nobody sees the sweat and tears, you know, that that go behind Mm -hmm. all those years Mm. of of commitment Mm. and consistency and discipline. Mm. And even when you don't feel good, you still get up and go to work and you still get things done. And, Mm. I find a lot of, um, you know, I find to be inspired by people um, that I work with also and that I'm around. So I was lucky to, you know, be able to get a position in such an amazing company, but it took me a long time to get that position. I looked everywhere. Mm. You know, I was hosting Miami new construction show where they paid me $200 to be the host because I was Miss South Beach with, this, you know, crown and stash. Mm. And that's where I met my current boss. And he's like, oh, oh you well. should work. Us, you know, and he gave me his card. And one day I was praying, and I was like, God, what do I do? I need a job. I just moved to Sunny Isles, right? And I'm Uh running, and I'm like praying, and I'm walking down Uh Sunny Isles. I want to sell all these beautiful buildings. I go back to my place. Uh My housekeeper gives me the bag of the show. I throw it on the bed, and his card popped out of the bag Mm -hmm. on the bed, like it just popped out. And I was like, I grabbed it. It Said Armani. Uh It was right downstairs. I emailed him right away. I Mm -hmm. said, Hey, I have experience in a sales gallery. I see that you have one right downstairs, Armani you know, he said to come in tomorrow at 10, I got the mm. job, he offered me to be his assistant. I said, no, I want to be in sales. I want to sell your building. He's like, you need mm. 10 years of experience. I'm like, I know <laughs> this is what I want to do. He's like, are you sure? I was like, yeah, I'll just learn. I'll study. I'll get my license. And hopefully, mm. you know, like that's what I want to do. Right. And so I think you also have to know what you want to do. Like make yes. a goal for yourself. first. In, and if you need help, ask for help people around you or, or try different environments. Right. Cause I knew like, you know, once I started getting into this environment, I mm-hmm. knew that's what I wanted. And I poured right.
0: myself into exactly. that. Yeah, because you said that phrase, put yourself in the environment you want to be in. Mm-hmm. And no matter what, I think if I can summarize what you're saying, yeah. uh, an environment that you know brings you love, you said, is passion. And you don't quit, right? You keep at it at whatever level you're at. And eventually- I, you My, think my clients tell me I'm
1: relentless. They say you're relentless. You could tell me if <laughs> i <I'm not laughs> today and tomorrow, you're going to call me to sell me another house. Okay, like, what? Well,
0: uh, Yeah, but you do it relentlessly with joy, it sounds like, right? You're relentlessly joyful, I think. And also,
1: you know, passionate, right? Because you have to believe in what you're doing. I truly believe in everything that I'm doing. I truly believe in everything that I'm selling. I want to live in there. I want to sell, you know, I'm selling (laughs) it, but I don't live in it, you
0: know? Yeah, I see what you're saying. So there's a passion to it. Now, I was driving down with um, the friends uh, when I was on the trip, um, kind of north, and I did pass Sunny Island, and I saw this beautiful building. This is before you even told me about it. It It was a Porsche. I thought, yeah. wow, this is interesting. A uh, Porsche dealership. But I didn't realize that you have condominiums or something up there too, right? Uh, in the Porsche oh, no, building. It's a
1: Porsche building, actually. Porsche and you building. have a car elevator called the Deservator, which is a huh. patented technology by my boss, Gail Deser, the developer okay.
0: who yeah. yes.
1: actually invented this idea of you're in your car and you get to go with your car hmm. up to your apartment.
0: Wow, interesting. So you so you buy an so is it an apartment or a condo? How what do you how do you phrase it? The, the it's I'm a condo
1: concerned. or apartment, either one.
0: Condo, okay. So you you can buy the car and the condo at the same time, or how does that work? Typically on this thing.
1: Typically they have the cars already, um, but oh. you can drive your car into the building, uh, below mm. the building, and then the oh. car elevator picks you up with a robotic arm lift and lifts wow. you up into the sky from oh. top to bottom at 60 seconds. So it goes ah. 800 feet per minute.
0: Okay. Amazing.
1: And you have your cars in your living room. Mm. So when you get up there, uh, it's a very unique and it's one of a kind. There's nothing like it in the world. I love cars. My dad loved cars. Ah.
0: okay. So you saw, so the car and then the, the the part the place Kinda of go in, a, in a, together, right? So it's like a, um, something you have that you can enjoy. And yeah. uh, what's the price range to say for people? You know, maybe some people are listening that may even be interested.
1: So the price point Porsche is about five million to fifteen million, and then now we're selling the Bentley building. So this is like the Ooh. version two of the car elevator. Ooh. So now instead of a two car garage in your unit, you have a four car garage in the unit. Wow. And if you combine two units, then you would have a seven car garage in a wow. lower penthouse. So those oh, go for sixteen
0: million. Okay, and so you have to have the the Bentley that goes with it, or does it matter? There's usually Bentleys cars.
1: So it doesn't matter, but you know we do have a lot of Bentley lovers, and we do offer special promotions if they purchase a new Bentley. Okay, fantastic. Their Bentley condo.
0: Right, right. So you're in a very interesting uh, level of um, development in terms of uh, your wealth, I'd say, and, um, and riches. But also, we talk about inner riches. Now, mm-hmm. I um, I gave you a copy of my book. I think the three seekers of happiness, and uh, you learned some things from it. Um, what was the thing that impacted you the most? What did you learn from the three seekers of happiness? And by the way, this is a story of a pompous psychiatrist that goes to a mountain and meets a martial arts master named Tanaka, and uh, he wants to learn the three secrets of happiness, but he, his ego is in the way. So the the martial arts uh, teacher has to break down his ego, and then eventually he finds the three secrets, which turn out to be joyful optimism, gratitude, and forgiveness. So, what what uh, impact you you in terms of those those three elements? You know, I was ver- I
1: got very emotional reading the book. Um, I'm just an emotional person. Like I'm, um, I watch a movie and I'll cry. And you have the I book re- in front of you
0: there, by any chance?
1: I do have the book. Um, I was I was actually, uh, yeah, I'll grab it. I was crying when I read it. You oh, know? wow. Okay. Because I was like, oh my God, this is so, it's so impactful how the simple things, like less is more sometimes mm-hmm. when you take a really complicated emotion or concept and just like simplify it. That's so powerful for me. So I feel like you really did that so well in that book. And okay. it was really touching the way that, you know, that story kind of played out. I sent it to all my friends. I was like,
0: yeah, to <laughs> we <need> this. <laughs> that's okay. Well, think about the three secrets. Okay. So we have um, joyful optimism, uh, which it seems like you do have because you kept at this, you know, belief that you wanted to be in this high level real estate business. You know, that you're talking about the environment mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, they've done studies actually on luck and luck actually can be made. People don't always know that. Uh, you can actually create your own luck. Oh, there you- oh okay. That's admissible. Uh, different- <laughs> okay. Appreciate that. <laughs> Okay. So, yeah. This, uh, so, basically, you can make your own luck. So, um, And what they found, and they did studies of people who are lucky in life who, you know, say, win the lottery, they get into great relationships, uh, great businesses, people who are unlucky in life, they get into car accidents, lousy relationships, lousy careers. One of the differences is that, is that the lucky people are more optimistic. They're open to new experiences. So, they can be waiting in line at a store, and they start talking to someone. And they say, oh, maybe I'll learn something, or maybe I'll make a connection. Unlucky people say, I don't, I'm on my own business. I don't want to get involved. Well, it sounds like you've been very lucky in terms of you met uh, it Mr. Desert, you said, at, at some kind of event that you were at?
1: Actually, it was Sebastian. Um, he's our, our sales director. Uh-huh. He's the one that I met. I didn't meet. I met Gil through actually one of his friends before okay. that at some party, but it was totally right. unrelated. Right. But I meet Sebastian. He's really like my manager and oh, okay. our, my broker uh, right. for Desert on a realty, Sebastian Tettimonte. Yes. So he's the one that I had met um, at the show and he really manages a lot for Desert. So he's been a model and even like a father figure
0: to me in my
1: career as well because he's seen me grow and he's taught me a lot. Right, right.
0: But the key is that you were there at the right place at the right time, right? You said you made a connection with them. You put yourself out there is what I'm saying in the environment. Right, so that's I the key to there a
1: lot, like a lot, yeah. like I'm very friendly. Yes, I, I mean, I'll like, I don't know, I just, I feel like because of the spirituality aspect of it, ah, right? Like, yes. I really believe in God, and I believe that God has something special for me, and I'm always in this mentality of like, God loves me, and mm-hmm. God's gonna help me, and yes. you know, I these things, you know, lucky things do happen to me, but I do pray a lot, mm. so. I think it's part of that. And I believe my dad, wherever he is, he's kind of like my guardian angel and my lucky star, you know?
0: So, so I'm asking you the three secrets, uh, gratitude, optimism, and forgiveness, which is the, uh, the one you have the most easiest for you of those three.
1: I think that they're all really important. Um, but I like the gratitude one because uh. every time I feel sad, I go back to gratitude. I'm yes. like look at all I have. Definitely. I'm, or even if even if I'm feeling like I don't have a lot or I'm feeling mm. like whatever's going on is just mm. getting me down, mm. I look at I have my hands, I have my feet. Uh-huh. There we go. Kidnapped, right? I'm not in a jungle like my dad was. <laughs> so when I think about like what my right. dad went through and like yes. what I go through, I'm like I'm so silly for getting upset about these things yes. or yes. you know, I'm so I should be so grateful for the fact that like every day when I wake up, I try mm. to thank God. Every night when I go to bed, yes. I try to thank God. Thank you for yes. the day. A busy right. day. Or in the morning, I'm like, God, thank you for today. There's an opportunity for it to be beautiful, and right. really try to make right. the most of so it. See how the four
0: puppies. Is there a way to? Do you have a puppy there around you?
1: Yes, or? Louis, come <laughs> here, come here.
0: Okay. Um, so your dog just had four puppies. We're taking a little break here for the right. puppy for the oh. puppy gathering.
1: I didn't name them yet. <laughs> oh
0: wow! okay I'm, I'm, a, he's I'm, a big boy big for a puppy wow this looks like a grown <laughs> oh, No, he's a dad, <laughs> oh, that's, oh, that's a dad. oh okay <laughs> okay that's
1: a dad. and he loves wow. me he's spoiled. Like, are,
0: are he's... you gonna keep the puppies or or gift them or what's your idea are...
1: now here's mommy she gets a little jealous so we have to give her a little attention too <laughs> okay she's really skinny she's a oh
0: wow okay amazing she's
1: a little bit smaller um,
0: yes and yeah. she's
1: really cute too Right. She's been going yeah. through a lot this
0: month with her C-section. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. Well, definitely, <laughs> yeah, unconditional and, love. We had uh, James Cameron, not uh, uh, Bruce uh, W. Cameron, who wrote the um, Dogs' Purpose series. Have you heard about that? The movies. Oh my God! Yes,
1: uh, I could be a cry. Also, uh, I saw I saw the first one. I didn't see the second one. Yet, oh, did you sick.
0: watch it after we spoke, or you saw you saw it before? I think.
1: No, you told me to watch it, and oh I yeah, like, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, was It was something. Yeah, <laughs> so it, and actually, it's the idea that you know dogs are the one uh, thing that would give us unconditional love, and you know for dogs. And also parents and young children, but adult relationships can be a challenge sometimes.
1: Uh, you bring real quick? Oh, I want to show you uh, one of the puppies. Okay. Bring the white one too, so she can see. So there's four of them. <laughs> bring two, and then the other two, so you can see them all four. <laughs> I'll just show
0: you. Okay. Well, all right, turn this into a puppy show, you know? No,
1: but you know what is really important about this whole concept is like people they don't understand, right? Find your happiness. Oh,
0: a lot wow. of things. Amazing.
1: These little things are my happiness. Look at how cute. I'll probably oh. keep this one.
0: Yeah. Okay. That's pretty cool. Amazing. These yeah, You can't be depressed when you have beautiful puppies, right? You know.
1: <laughs> beautiful, life is a beautiful thing, you know. And the fact that my dog yes. got pregnant without me planning it was kind of crazy. Oh, too.
0: That's amazing. Now, one thing so I do want to multiplies. What's that again? Love multiplies. Love
1: multiplies. Yes, I like
0: that. That's a good phrase.
1: Starting right, no, with no. two, I six. <laughs>
0: Now, one thing, uh, Melissa, the the last part of the book, you know, talks about forgiveness. Now, here's where is so for some people it's a challenge, especially self forgiveness, right? Oh yeah, Yeah. they're okay. They're they're beautiful. (laughs) So think about this: Uh, how how good are you at self forgiveness? Because I know with your dad, you know, maybe the regrets, or who knows, you know, in life there are regrets. Forgiveness
1: is a little harder for me because, especially with the terrorists, right? Mm-hmm. There was one point where we got to uh, kind of go and meet with the, fi- well, my brother did it. I did not do it, but to go meet with the tourists yes. and they're supposed to apologize to the families for what they did. It was part of the peace treaty in Colombia. Ah. And I just, you know, I, I remember writing a letter and I had given it to my brother and he read it and and it's hard for me to forgive them because, you know, I had to, I right. I had to do it at one point, but it was really mm-hmm. hard. And I still feel ah. like. Because even in my personal life, I have a hard time letting go of some mm-hmm. things that sure. hit those triggers.
0: Right. But yeah, forgiveness. Uh, because it's more like self-compassion, too. Like, forgiving yourself for so-called things in the past, regrets, mistakes.
1: It's hard for me. Because, like, for Father's yes. Day, for example, like, mm-hmm. right before you got killed, like, that week, I was having a lot of trouble sleeping. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I need to call. And I need to call my stepmother so she can record me. And then she would put the recording mm-hmm. on the radio. Right. It was called uh, vo- um, The Voices of the Kidnapped. and mm-hmm the radio channel where you can call and leave a message and they have radios in the jungle. Hopefully they can hear you. And I was like, I need to do this message. I haven't done it in a while. He needs to hear from me. And I had this anxiety, like something in me telling me like, you got to do it. You got to do it that day. Uh, a couple of days before that I had written a letter. It was a four page letter for my dad for father's day. And when I went that, that was the time where I wasn't doing so good in school. So I had summer school. And when I went to summer school, there was a girl there, a couple of girls and they all were like talking, Oh, it's father's day. Look what I got my dad. Oh, we're going to go to dinner's favorite restaurant. I'm going to hug him, give him this card. Look at the card I got him. And I got like paralyzed. And I, because I was so upset, like wow, I have to go home and call my stepmom who I don't get along with mm-hmm. and put my heart on a radio, on a recording that's going to go on national radio where he might not mm-hmm. hear it. He's in the jungle. Like The whole reality of it was so strong
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I didn't end up doing it. And I was like, I was got too emotional that day and I didn't want to be emotional on national radio. And I did not you know, I didn't want him to hear me like that and get more right. upset about, you know, or anything. Right, so right. I'm like, oh, I'll do this later. Well, guess what? When I woke up, I was like, it's too late. Something mm-hmm. in my head, it's too late, it's too late. So I never read him the letter and I had to read it to him at his funeral. And that was really hard for me too. I, it was hard for me to forgive myself mm-hmm. for not being strong enough that day to read that letter oh. because been nice for him to hear that everything right. I had written and I had to say before he died
0: yes, of so course.
1: forgiveness is hard mm. you know it's not easy yes, it's, it's easy, helped. but it's necessary
0: yes well what I should say is basically think of um when you were younger say you' were in a certain psychological grade level maybe sixth grade and you made mm-hmm. you know you took an action right that's the best you could have done but now you're in college or graduate school is psychologically or spiritually so you would act differently today perhaps. Uh, and the key is uh, we do an exercise where we actually have you imagine yourself as you were and your present self going back in time and talking to yourself and say, you know, we've learned, you know, we're growing in the future. This is going to be something special. And maybe give yourself a hug mentally. So there's an exercise that uh, we can do with that uh, too. You know, because self-compassion is one of the most important things we're learning now in research in terms of growth, you know, loving yourself in a positive way, not egotistically but in a way that you can give more love to others, right? Because unless you love yourself in a real way, you can't really do that. I uh, find
1: myself like being more compassionate than other people are like more compassionate than usual. And it's probably because I've been through so much and I know how bad it feels to hurt. And I feel like yeah. I'm, I'm always like over helping over giving hmm. in relationships. I'm over sharing, over loving. Like sure. it's always like I'm over compensating, and, and I think that that's really important too, because a lot of people are not so compassionate. And then they, when they do see you being overly compassionate, then they think mm-hmm. there's something wrong with you because you're like that because they oh. don't see that. Like, right, why? right. But the kids, like, uh,
0: uh the groups. yeah, the kids, uh, I mean, think of yourself like the sun, you know, the sun shines on everybody, right? The young, the old, the attractive, not so attractive, the poor and the rich. And the, some people don't like the sun. They cover up, but the sun doesn't get mad. Right. They just keep, it shining. So when mm-hmm. you send your loving energy without expectation, uh, that's the idea to keep that going out there. And again, some people may not respond well, but a lot of people may. And your your goal is to keep shining the love, which is wonderful. The other thing I want to mention, I know we're running a little bit short on time, but I mean, there are a lot of topics we can talk about. This is really uh, interesting. Is um, you referred to a lot in articles I read about, about beauty and the brains. So that you're both you know, physical, uh, perhaps uh, beauty and also uh, uh, intelligence. So the idea of beauty is interesting because for some people, beauty is external you know, in terms of, you know, being better exercise-wise, health-wise, uh, physical appearance, and also there's inner beauty as well. What's your advice to people that they think they're not, they're not that attractive, you know, physically or even internally? What would, advice would you give to them?
1: I think you have to really love yourself and feel beautiful, no matter what you look like, right? And you have to do what makes you feel beautiful, because beautiful is a very subjective thing. And there's so many different types of beauty. And in Colombia, we say all women are like flowers. So there's different types of flowers, but they're all beautiful. And that's the same with women or even men, you know, there's beautiful things about men too. And you have to find what you love about yourself and, and and you have to make yourself feel beautiful. So for me, you know, me getting my hair extensions makes me feel beautiful or sometimes getting Botox, but, but that's not really what it is. It's you have to feel beautiful inside as a beautiful person, Mm. right? If you're honest, if you're caring, if you're loving People are like, oh, you're so sweet, or oh, we really love you, or oh, you've done such a great job helping us with your house. You really go above and beyond for your clients. We see that. Though, That's when I really feel beautiful, when my clients are like, oh my God, you're you're amazing, or you've done such a good job, or thank you for everything you did. Like That's when I feel the most beautiful. It's not always about the way you look, but I also do think that it's important to do the things that nurture your heart and that make you feel good. So if for me, lip filler and Botox and extensions makes you feel good, then I'm going to do that. I don't care what people think because that's what makes me feel good inside. And if you feel good inside, then you're going to also like feel better outside too. So I, I, I would say that it's really important to love yourself through the hard times and through everything. When you're skinny, when you're fat, when you lose ah. weight, when you're freaking out, when you're not, right. you know, when you're hungry, when you're tired, when you have makeup, when you don't, it's almost like you have to learn to embrace yourself through everything and right. really find, just feel beautiful inside of it right. for for who you are. And your yeah, unique. Because
0: I think you're saying something earlier. You said loyalty, but also being loyal to yourself. And a lot mm-hmm. of people are not really loyal to themselves.
1: And sometimes they, you uh, betray yourself to be loyal to others. And that's something that I had to learn too. Like possible. I had to stop doing that. Yes, definitely. I had to stop sacrificing myself for other people. I don't know why I do this sometimes. I'm like, why do I do that? Well, you know? I mean,
0: the, and the love types, uh, you may be the nurturer or the gentle artist. You know, that,
1: I'm like, wait a minute. I need to give it to myself. This is <laughs> stop. You know? Well, you know,
0: we're all in the process of growth. I mean, that's uh, an interesting, interesting idea. Now, the one thing I want to ask you, though, I know you're very successful in business. I mean, you, you sold $200 million of real estate, which is an amazing figure. You're working with um, top level people, helping people, right? Uh, families have their homes. Uh, What advice would you give to a young person starting out? Maybe they're a minority, a Latino, a woman, or someone that's, you know, I used to be shy, and I wrote a book called The Gift of Shyness, people that are maybe a little bit shy, or they don't have uh, the, the confidence, perhaps. So what advice would you give them to reach the high level of business, entrepreneurship, and so forth?
1: I think, look, in any business, it's not about always what you know, but who you know. So your network determines your net worth. So you have to know the right people. You have to put yourself around those people. Even if you're not there yet, like go to the conferences. I go to the Grant Cardone conference. I go to Elena's. I watch her speak. I take notes. I learn. I apply those things to my life, right? Whether it's a podcast, listening to a podcast podcast whether it's going to an event, networking events. I always try to go to events. Maybe it's putting yourself in the right place, like going to the Four Seasons for dinner or hanging out at the bar. Maybe you meet somebody next to you. Don't be afraid to talk to other people. People are not your enemies. You know, We're all here sharing this life experience. And I think that when you really realize that teamwork makes the dream work, you're going to be more successful. Don't try to do everything on your own and try to meet people and create relationships because the relationships is what I think has gotten me this far. I've always created. I don't think about, Oh, let me make a deal with this person. Mm-hmm. I always think about, oh, let me make a relationship with this person. And then I've now I have all these relationships, with all these people <laughs> that, you know, it's like, it just grows and grows and keeps growing, but I never stop seeking relationships. I ah. keep seeking relationships, whether it's at the valet, whether it's at the restaurant, the waitress, whether, and I'll tell them about, Hey, I work for this building or I'll be at an event and maybe an Uber driver, for example, pick me up at the airport and I'll start talking to him. And we'll start talking about life and I'll ask him for advice on a boyfriend or this or that, like random conversations with random people sometimes are the best because sometimes you're more comfortable telling a stranger what's going on than your own family or friends. So I've always found that I have really good connections with strangers. Like, Best conversations, and almost like I feel like God uses people to kind of teach you things, and
0: right, right. So, so you are what I said. You are the son. Uh, you know, extend loving energy without expectation. Like you said, it's not transactional, but it's relational. So, you want to yeah. create a bond of affinity, right? A bond of connection. You want to
1: be a blessing. You know, you yes. want to give that loving energy out because I do think it comes back. Right. Like whether it's giving a, a homeless guy hundred dollars at the light at the red light, mm-hmm. or like little things like that. Yes. That I feel like really fill my heart with like just joy and love, and I'm just like. I was able to, like, they'll be, oh, my God, I can't believe it. You're mm. so amazing. Thank you. And I'm like, you're amazing. God bless you, you know? Hmm. And, like, it's just a good feeling all Pretty around. Good. So That's I want to help others, too, because I feel like God has helped me.
0: Exactly. You know, one more thing, though. Um, you know how we have uh, currently these so-called super action, superhero movies, you know, Marvel, uh, Iron Man, Wonder Woman, and all that. Let me ask you, if you were to think of a superhero in your life, it could be someone from the past, a historical figure. Uh, it could be a present person, a real person, or maybe one of these, um, you know, uh, characters in the movies. Who would that be uh, that you would want to be like or, you know, that you would admire as a superhero? I mean, I
1: love Superwoman. I love okay. Superman. Um, and yeah. I really think like also like my hero, like I, just my dad was kind of like I looked up to him when I was young. I mm-hmm. looked up to my grandfather. I look up to my mom. My mom is my hero for going through all the stuff she's been through. Yeah. You
0: know, be a good So, so mom. pick one. If you could pick one superhero or superheroine. I think that? you have
1: to be your own superhero. That's what I think. I think you have okay. to be inspired by all the superheroes yeah. in the world. So oh,
0: Melissa, is that a new superhero? We're going to see you on the, the TV someday or the movies?
1: I wish I could be a superhero for people. <laughs> you know, I'd, why not? Okay. If I could do that, you know, make a wish foundation. You can make people's wishes come true. I love okay. all that stuff.
0: Okay. And I think we were talking about you wanted to inspire women and, uh, you know, other entrepreneurial people to reach a higher level of success. And you have I
1: think others, nobody does anything on their own. Somebody yes. helped me. Where I am, you know, definitely. you have, to have other people too.
0: Exactly, and you like you mentioned your your friend Elena Cardone. I mean, it'd be nice to have her on the show. Perhaps if she wants to come yes. on, I uh, would love or- to have
1: Elena Cardone on the show. I'd love to have Stephanie Jester on the show. Ah. They great inspirational women for me in business, a very successful business woman. Yes, and they're just amazing mm-hmm. people. Right. all throughout, like they're so beautiful inside and out. And I would yes. definitely, them.
0: yeah, definitely. We can, uh, yeah. I think it's good because I mean, you do have a talent also for connecting, I think, and also for expressing. Mm-hmm. So it would be great to do that, and I think you said you do want to help more, maybe speaking or other inspirational activities in the future. I would
1: love to write a book with you one day. How to oh, Live
0: wow! Life. Okay, it's okay. <laughs> News channel, right now, the first thing we've heard. That'd that
1: be, collab.
0: <laughs> that'd be kind of yeah, okay, we'll like that. Tell us about any new project. I know you mentioned the uh, Bentley Building. Is that the new, big new thing you're working on uh, uh, right this now?
1: Project I'm working on right now. I have you know millions of dollars in listings. I have about ten listings in the Porsche Building that I work with rentals. Okay. Resales and off-market developer units. Okay, I'm also doing the Bentley building, so I'm one of the. what's also talk-
0: about—is that already established, or are you going to sell all the units in the Bentley building, or what's the? But
1: we're forty percent sold already, and we are just starting construction. It will be ready oh. in
0: 2028.
1: Wow! I'm very excited. Okay. It's going to be the most unbelievable building in the world, in my opinion. You know,
0: <laughs> I see incredible. So it sounds like you got a lot of the uh, beautiful projects ahead of you, and um, you also want to help people and share that lovey energy, which is wonderful. We're
1: going to do a Lamborghini building, also too, with oh, a car. Wow. Little-
0: in the okay. future, yeah, right. you got it all going on, okay.
1: Um, uh, motor- car lover, he's got like 2,000 cars, so this whole idea of like coming up with a car elevator that came oh. out of his cars, and that's a beautiful thing, too. He's very innovative and he's I different see. than other developers.
0: You're talking about so the uh, desert, the son, or the dad? You're saying or both, both of them, excellent. All right, well, um, where can we reach, uh, hear more about you? Do you have a website, any uh, social media? Where can we connect with you, uh, listeners on the show?
1: So you can follow me, live more, L-I-V underscore M-O-R uh, on Instagram, and that's usually where I, you know. Okay, I'm that's with. the best
0: way to reach you. Okay, and your companies or website or anything to look at or.
1: Uh, right now I'm working on a new website because I had an old one, uh, but my email is uh, M-E-L-I-S-S-A at dot com, And that's my work email. So anything to do with real estate, you know, I'm pretty active through my emails and my social media. My Facebook is my name, Melissa Berrigan. So I'm also mm-hmm. on there, but I do most of my uh, interacting on social media. You said
0: Baragan bar- or Barragan? How do you pronounce bar-
1: it? Bar- but, um, uh, I think Berrigan is like the, this, the American people. Gang. Okay. Melissa Barragan or Melissa Berrigan? You know, okay, it's we
0: can like, do both. Okay. Well, it's been a pleasure having you on the show, Melissa. And uh, you have a lot to offer. You know, you have joy, you have compassion, and also you're very successful. So that's a great role model for a lot of people that have been through trauma or any obstacles in life that you can achieve your dreams. You know, and like you said, put yourself in the right environment, be consistent, and be loyal to yourself. And
1: you need to be laser-focused.
0: Focused, Focus, exactly. You need
1: to be consistent. You know, like I, I say, like, I, w- I want to wake up at, you know, 7 o'clock in the morning, be at the gym by 8, be at work okay. by
0: 10. All right, so everyone okay. listening to this, uh, let's go out this week and be laser-focused, consistent. Also, find your passion, as Melissa is saying, and above all, give love without expectation. So it's been a pleasure, Melissa. So this is, Good again, part. Dr. Alex Avila okay. with Love University. Uh, if you want to write to us, you can write to us at loveuniversitylove@gmail.com, loveuniversitylove at Loveuniversitylove 310-226-8090, until next time, everyone, put away your notebooks, your iPads, your phones. Class is now dismissed. This is Doctor Avila. That was a great interview with Melissa Barragan, a celebrity real estate agent in Miami, Florida. Is very successful in selling multi-million dollar properties to high-end celebrities and others. But at the same time, she has a very loving heart. She wants to help people and contribute to them having a beautiful home. What we learned today are very interesting things. First of all is to forgive yourself. She went through a horrible tragedy, the kidnap and death of her father. Uh, She blamed herself in some ways. But then she was able to forgive herself and at the same time, extend loving energy to other people. She mentioned helping homeless, autistic children. That's a very important part of it. And also finding your passion, your love, and being committed to going to the environment. Put yourself in the right environment where you can develop that. That could be a career, a business, or even a relationship. Put yourself out there consistently. And don't give up on your passion, your dream. Work hard. She said she was willing to sweep up uh, the place there because she loved cars and also real estate, and she eventually became vice president of the company. So she started at the very bottom. And anyone listening to this, you can do it too. Whatever your dream is, your passion, pursue it with all of your heart and mind and soul. at the same time, look forward to helping other people, connecting. She said relationships are very important to reach to the highest level of success and also happiness. We know that in psychology, Depression results when you have a little bit of social support. We have a lot of people in your life that support you and love you and care about you, then you will reach the highest parts of success. So, again, this is Dr. Alex Avila. If you have a show idea, if you want to be on a future show, if you want to comment on today's show, make sure you follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Love University Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Love Letter You Podcast. You can download the podcast on Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes, and Podbean. And you can also like, subscribe, and comment on our YouTube channel, Love University. If you want to contact us, you can also do it at loveuniversitylove at gmo.com. Call us at 310-226-8090 and visit us at loveuniversity.love. Until next time, go out this week, be committed to your goals, love what you do, and extend love energy without expectation. This is Dr. Alex Avila Love University. Class is now dismissed.